Lord and uh, being good to us. Thank you for uh, just HBF and uh, being involved in your mission. Uh, a lot of things going on. Um, just putting Bibles together, sending them around the world. Uh, just ministry all over the place. Uh, just harvest party, meeting the community where they're at. Uh, just the, the Halloween outreach where we get to put you know 2,000 plus pieces of Scripture in the hands of the community and uh, just different ways that just your church and more in particular, just the past point classes involved in uh, just uh, getting the gospel where it needs to go. And so I just praise you for uh, these people who are sold out for you. I thank you for uh, those who are even right now in the ministry. Uh, they can't be here because they're holding babies or teaching kids or doing different things. And uh, Lord, I just uh, thank you for everything that you're doing. Uh, I praise you for such a uh, awesome group of people to be able to hang out with every week. And uh, Lord, I do pray that as we wrap up First Corinthians today, uh, that you would just get some glory from it get all the glory for from it and that you would uh, uh, just give us uh, uh, guidance as we uh, go somewhere uh, new after this. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just uh, speak to us today in Christ's name. Amen. That sounded kind of odd, like I don't know where I'm going after this. I do know where we'll be next week, so don't, it's not like Jason doesn't even know where he's teaching next week. Uh, uh, be, well, I'm not even going to tell you. It's a surprise. Uh, so anyway, First uh, Corinthians chapter 16, we're going to wrap up the book. Uh, there's not a ton of stuff in First uh, Corinthians 16 that's like, oh my gosh, we really need to teach this, but uh, we are going to roll through it. Uh, it's Paul's uh, infamous, uh, let me just put a bow on this thing, and so that's what I kind of titled today, if you want to title, is putting a bow on First Corinthians. And so, uh, if you want to think back, I was like, how long have we really been? Because last time you guys were making fun of me, when how long have we really been in uh, 1 Corinthians? And it's been less than two years, so I feel like we're doing pretty good. Uh, it's It's been uh, somewhere around February of 2022 is when we started 1 Corinthians. And I was going through uh, my book, what I do all my notes in, and there's been a lot of things that I've taught that weren't in 1 Corinthians. So really it's more like about a year, which isn't that bad. That's what I think. But anyway, uh, just throwing that out there. Uh, so just a quick review of the book of First Corinthians as a whole, because it's like, oh my gosh, when you spend this much time in one place, you kind of forget about what's going on. The first, the book of First Corinthians as a whole is kind of Paul's rebuke on the church uh, in general. He goes and he establishes the church. He, he gets some people, uh, some people the gospel. They get saved, and you know they establish this thing. And then he moves on about his business, and then he starts hearing rumors of some of the things that are going on. And so it's kind of a rebuke book. Uh, the first six chapters kind of play out that way. It's very much so a rebuke. He's like, man, what are you guys doing? I heard about this. I heard about that. This isn't good at all. Uh, and then in chapters seven through nine, he's kind of responded to some things. They must have wrote and written him a letter. Uh, with some questions, and so you know he answers some questions on marriage, uh, some different things uh, throughout the next few chapters. So he's, it's his response to those things in chapter seven through nine. Chapter ten was kind of a standalone chapter. Uh, he used the nation of Israel as an example, and he's like, "Hey, if you guys don't uh, understand uh, something to follow or the way to not do things, go go look at these guys." And so it was kind of a reminder in chapter ten, and then uh, chapters eleven to sixteen, starting in chapter eleven, he hits the Lord's Supper, and then he goes through and he talks about spiritual gifts. He talks about charity, uh, meaning love, love all things in chapter 13. Uh, and he just kind of goes through the speaking in tongues, the uh, the resurrection, all these things. And he kind of does some refining of doctrine, right? And so he gets a little deeper in, in teaching uh, to wrap the book up. And so that leads us all the way to where we're at today, chapter 16. And like I said, at the end of uh, a book, 
a longer book that Paul writes, he always kind of goes through and he's just like, hey, this guy, he wants to say, hey, this guy was like, you know, giving you a shout out, all these different things. And that's kind of what he does here. But there are a few things that we can pull from it and, and we'll do that and we'll get wrapped up because I'm ready to move on from 1 Corinthians. Not that it's not been a really good book, but uh, I'm ready to, to get to something new. So anyway, 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 1, let's just kind of pick up from the beginning of this thing. He says, now concerning the collection for the saints... As I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. And when I come, whomsoever ye shall approve by your letters, then will I send to, uh, send to bring, uh, you, to bring your liberality into Jerusalem. And if it be meet that I go also, uh, they shall go with me. And so I'm just going to kind of walk through this thing piece by piece. And so the first thing that he says in chapter 16 is, uh, he's talking about giving here. He's just like, hey, uh, don't think that you're excluded from giving, by the way. Uh, they're taking a collection for the church uh, in, in Jerusalem, and uh, you know you should be a part of that. You should want to be a part of that. And he's like, and when I get there, uh, whoever uh, you want to have take care of this thing, uh, then I will send uh, your liberality, meaning your generosity, your uh, over and abundance, your giving to Jerusalem. And if it be me that I go also, they shall go with me. He's like, I don't even have to go with this. It has nothing to do with me. Uh, but what it is, is I'm going to uh, make sure this gets to where it needs to go. And so he's talking about there, there was a collection being taken for something going on at the church of Jerusalem and all the churches uh, around Ephesus, uh, uh, Corinth, obviously the Corinthians, um, the Thessalonica, all these people, they're, they're putting these things together and they're sending a, an offering. And so as we go through this today, uh, here's what I got, because I don't want to read through the whole chapter and then circle back around and read it again. So uh, I've got uh, six final instructions from Paul to the church that I'm just going to pull right out of here uh, that we can take, because it's not just to the church in Corinth. These are instructions that we need to make sure that we've got nailed down in our life. They're pretty basic. They're pretty simple. But at the same time, Sometimes the basic and simple things are the things that we find out really aren't evident in our life. And then those are the things that we need to make sure uh, are. Because if you don't have those in your life, then, uh, well, there's a problem. Uh, and so anyway, six things. There should really be seven, but, uh, well, we'll get to why there's not a seventh in a little bit. So uh, the first thing in, in these first few verses, uh, instruction from Paul to the church is giving to the church is not really optional, right? It's not really an optional thing. You don't find out that Paul doesn't say... Uh, or is that upon the first day of the week, let everyone lay unto him by store. Or, I'm sorry. Go back to verse one. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the church of uh, churches of Galatia, even, you know, if you want to, maybe you should be involved in that. That's not what he says. He's like, even so do ye. There's no really optional thing here. It's not like a, hey, uh, you're a part of what's going on here. Uh, I, it's just optional whether you're a part of this or not. That's kind of like saying, I'm going to now. I don't want you to be confused here, but this is kind of a good analogy once you understand giving. It would be like you going to work and uh, going and, and doing all the things in your company, reaping all the benefits of your labor, and then, then being like, you know what, I just don't want to pay you this week, maybe next week. Uh, or, you know, I don't really feel like you did that good of a job this week, so I'm going to pay you less this week. Uh, and so that's where we get into the tipping other than tithing and all that. Uh, I would just... I'm not going to get up here and, and teach tithing to you guys. I would uh, reference you back to whoever took you through D1. Because if you didn't get this in D1, you need to go back and uh, rebuke whoever took you through D1 and say, hey, uh, you should have taught this to me and made me understand uh, really why. And if they won't do it, come and talk to me and then you'll get it from me. But I'm not going to do it in a, in a class setting. There's just no reason for that. Um, 
you should have had it already. So anyway, plus it's just a really big turnoff to me when somebody wants to like try to twist your arm for money. You should want to give to the church. And if you don't want to give to the church, then uh, that's on you. But go back to whoever took you through D1 and you'll understand why you should want to give to the church. So anyway, uh, Paul's like, the collection that's going on, uh, I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. It, giving to the church is not really optional. That's one of the first things he says in this chapter of like just final instructions. Is It's like hey, this, this giving thing, you should want to be a part of it. You should desire uh, to be a part of blessing other people. right? It's kind of like, Anything else, whether it's giving or not, whether it's discipleship, whether it's anything else, you should want to get the Word of God into other people's hands. You should want to show other people why uh, you have, why they should want what you have, right? And you have to figure out a way to to explain that to them in such a way that they should desire what you have. right? The same thing with with giving. I don't give because I have to. I give because I want to, right? And and not only that, uh, me personally... When, when talking about giving, I give because uh, I don't like lightning, right? And I know the truth. And, I mean, somebody who doesn't really know the truth, you should just give because you want to give. But somebody uh, like me who I feel like knows better, and I know what the Word of God says, and I know uh, what God says about certain things, um, it's, it's kind of like just blatant sin. You know, I don't do that because, well, I know better, and I don't like lightning, and I don't, I, I don't really like the idea of, you know, I... A lot of times at work, I'm, I'm doing stuff with electricity and things like that. God has a lot of opportunities just to zap me if he really wanted to. So uh, I give because, uh, well, because I know better. But uh, other people, you know, I, you can't just tell a new Christian you should give because, you know, God will zap you if you don't. Well, that's not, a, that's not really why a new Christian should give. That's one of the reasons I do because I know better. But, you know, I, I don't uh, run around and, and do stupid things. It's, that's what I tell my kids all the time. Don't do dumb things, right? Uh, I, don't, I don't go around and do things like that because because I know better. And it's the same thing with giving. You should do that because you know better. Uh, and honestly, looking around the room, you, you guys should kind of fall in that category. But as you're, as you're teaching younger Christians, um, it's not really optional, right? Uh, it, why would it be optional? I mean, what if everybody this week decided, hey, you know what, I'm going to take a week off, right? Or I'm just going to take a month off, or however it is that you give. Some people give weekly, some people give monthly. I mean, you, the Bible says you can do it however you want. You better just make sure you get it done. Uh, but anyway, uh, like if everybody decided, you know what, we're just not going to do it this month. Are we just going to assume that the lights are going to be on next week because somebody else is going to take care of it? Are we just going to assume that, you know, Pastor Brian ain't going to get a job? Uh, all those things, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying, I'm just saying. I'm not going to get into this because I've already said too much. So anyway, giving to the church is not really optional. It's the first thing he says. Uh, verse 5, he, he picks up and uh, he says, Now I will come unto you. He's like giving him his travel itiner- itinerary here. And so it's like, why is he doing this? Well, I'll tell you why. He says, Now I will come unto you when I shall pass through Macedonia. For I do pass through Macedonia. And it uh, may be that I will abide, yea, in winter with you, that ye may bring uh, me on my journey whithersoever I go. Uh, for I will not see you, uh, for I will not see you now, by the way, but I trust to tarry a while with you, but if the Lord, if the Lord permit. But I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great door, uh, and effectual is open unto me, and there are many adversaries. Now if Timotheus come, see that he may be with you without fear, for he worketh the work, uh, of the Lord, uh, as I also do. Let no man dis- therefore despise him, but conduct him, uh, Conduct him forth in peace, that he may come unto me, for I look uh, for him with the brethren. 
As touching our brother Apollos, I greatly desired him to come unto you with the brethren, but his will was not to come at all this time, but he will come uh, when he shall have a convenient time. So he, he goes through and, and then he switches after that kind of that verse, but he like gives us this travel itinerary. Hey, I plan on getting to you, but by the way, I'm in Macedonia right now. If you hadn't heard, this is where I'm at. The reason he said that was because that was not on his plan from the get-go. Uh, you can go back to the book of Acts and find out why he ends up in uh, Macedonia in the first place because it was kind of God saying, hey, this is what I want you to do. And then he's like, hey, by the way, uh, uh, Timothy's probably going to head your way. Uh, when you read this, He's kind of like, hey, be easy on the guy. And it doesn't really say why. He says, hey, be easy on the guy. If I had to guess, now this is not doctrine because I don't know, but if I had to guess, uh, I would say that it was probably Timothy that uh, revealed some of the things that was going on in the church in the first place. Like, hey, uh, and Timothy came and told Paul, hey, this is going on. And so uh, I think he's like, hey, I'm going to send Timothy, but by the way, uh, you can be mad at him all you want for you know revealing your sin, but you probably should be grateful that he did this. I don't know that. That's just my assumption, but why else would it be like, hey, be easy on the guy when he gets there? Uh, so anyway, I'm just throwing that out there. Um, you guys... I mean, kind of, but at the same time, like, if I've got some sort... But if I've got some sort of open sin in my life, I'm going to thank the guy who ratted me out because, man, these guys... It, go back to the first six chapters. Like, dude sleeping with his mother-in-law or something, or father-in-law, I don't know. It's just messed up. There's a lot of things going on that are just like, somebody needed to call him out. And so, anyway. But yes, a rat. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm assuming that's why it says that. And then he's like, I was going to send to Paulos, but Paulos was like, man, I ain't going right now. <laughs> I'll go at a convenient time. Anyway, I don't know why that throws that, all that in there. And so I'm going through this, and like the rest of the chapter, it's pretty simple. He's like going through, he's given just a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and I'm like, how does this really fit in? And then I'm like, it kind of makes perfect sense. He's given these final instructions uh, to the church. And why else would he reveal all of this? The same reason that we tell people the things that are going on in our life. Like, hey, uh, not that you really need to care, but hey, this is going on. Hey, the, not that you really, this really involves you, but this, I'm going to be doing this. Why do we do that? Because I trust that if I was to get up here and be like, hey, uh, by the way, you know, I'm going to be going on a trip, or I'm going to be going and doing this, or I'm going to do I, I kind of have a thought process that you guys might pray while I'm gone, that you might pray that like things are taken care of. And so I think that's more than anything what Paul's doing here is uh, his, his next instruction is, you know, prayer keeps the ministry moving. He doesn't just throw all this out there because he's just like, hey, by the way, my flight leaves at 6.50 and blah, blah, blah. blah. He's like, hey, uh, this is what's going on. Maybe you might want to, you know, pray that things continue to happen the way that they have been. You know, hey, I'm going to be in Ephesus until Pentecost. Why do you think I'm going to be there? Oh, because I'm ministering to the church and I'm establishing some things. And like, maybe you should pray for these things as we go on. And there's a reason that certain people stumble into your life completely out of the blue. You had no intention, not that you didn't have an intention, but you had no specific intention for that person like to, to, to be involved in their life. And the next thing you know, God's got them right there front and center for whatever reason, and you know, the next thing you know, they're like telling you their life story, or they're going through what's going on in life, and it's not that you don't care, but it's why? Why did God bring this to you like that? Well, obviously, God's like, hey, maybe you ought to pray for what's happening here. If nothing else, maybe you should get involved. But if nothing else, maybe you should pray for what's going on. Maybe you should be a little more involved, a little more having your head on a swivel of what's happening, right? And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's somebody at work that, you know, for whatever reason, just keeps telling you about the stupid things that go on in their life. Or maybe it's, you know, who knows? But the least you can do 
And actually, that, that's not a good saying, but they always say the least you can do is pray. Well, that's actually the best thing you can do. But uh, start there, right? If you're not going to do anything else, pray. You know, there's... Uh, it hasn't completely been established yet, but there's a there's an elderly saint in the church that used to be super involved, right? And uh, even before my time, and I heard about this a couple weeks ago, and like they just can't do it anymore. They just can't be involved anymore. So they came to Brian and they were like, uh, "I want to start a, like a prayer warrior ministry because like I know we pray around here, but like I want you to give me like super specific things to pray about because that's all I can do now, and that's I feel like that's more than I can do than than anything else." And man. If the whole church was more minded like that, I don't think we'd have issues with the children's ministry being staffed or, you know, every, the trips being full or all the different things. Because, man, if, if we were minded enough to pray, then God would reveal some things to us that would be a little more. But anyway, I'm just throwing it out there. Prayer keeps the ministry moving. That's why he throws that stuff in there. He's like, hey, all these different things. Prayer keeps the ministry moving. Moving on, verse 13. We're going to camp out here for a while because he throws some things in there. He says, uh, watch ye. Stand fast in the faith, quit ye like men, be strong. Okay, so he says four different things here, and I, I, I paired them up because they kind of go together. The first two things, he says, watch ye, stand fast in the faith. What's he talking about? Watch for what? Well, watch ye. Well, if you go back and read the book as a whole, or if you go back and read any of Paul's letters and put them together... Over and over again, there are certain things that he reminds you to be watchful for. Uh, he tells you to watch out for, uh, in, in Philippians, he says, uh, watch for dogs. What's he talking about when he says that? He's talking about false preachers, right? Uh, over and over again, he talks about uh, watching out for uh, the widows, right? Or uh, watch ye, you know, make sure that you don't have uh, false doctrine creeping into the church from any direction, whether it's a different preacher or a different teacher. Even in 1 Corinthians, he had to go back and set some things in line. You need to make sure your head's on the swivel. As a Christian, especially, and you would think that in the church, you know, it's kind of like you're getting into the safe zone. You need to make sure your head's on the swivel. You need to make sure that you're paying attention to what things are going on all the time. Now, I'm not talking about because, you know, we're worried about somebody coming in and shooting the place up. I mean, there's a plan for that. There's a security team that you probably didn't even know we had all the time. Things are take, getting taken care of. But I'm talking about, like, the spiritual things. What are you watching for? You know, are... Are you walking around thinking, man, I need to hurry up and get out of here because I've got this, 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 and this to do? A lot of times I am. But at the same time, what are you watching for? Are you watching for the spiritual things that are like red flags? You know, you see somebody walking around, you know, that normally is kind of bubbly and, you know, there's just something, something's going on. You know, that's the spirit telling you, hey, you need to be watching what's going on. You see something's not right with this person. You see something's not right with this ministry or whatever it is. You need to make sure that you're watching. And then he says, stand uh, fast in the faith. He says, watch ye, stand fast in the faith. What does that mean? It means like hold your ground. Wherever you are in your faith, there should never be reverse movement, Right? There are times when you have to like dig your feet in. Okay, I'm not moving forward, but I, I'm, I'm at least not moving backwards. You know, I think about, uh, and there really probably doesn't the greatest analogy, but I think about like uh, on on D-Day in uh, World War II, where these guys they're storming the, the beaches of Normandy, and these guys are rolling in. And I've seen I've seen it portrayed in a lot of movies. I obviously wasn't there. I don't know how good of a job they did depicting it, but they're like rolling in on these like these ships, knowing that. There's not going to be much forward movement here. Uh, and for the most part, I'm probably going to die here, right? That's kind of like what the Christian faith is. Uh, 
if you think that you're going to get saved and then your entire family is going to get saved and all your friends are going to get saved and, you know, all the people that you've ever met and, you know, it's just really going to be a joy ride, that's probably not the case, right? Uh, what it's more likely going to happen uh, is you're, you're rolling into a firestorm, right? Uh, there's going to be all kinds of people trying to kill you from all different directions. And if nothing else, if you can't move forward, you better make sure you're not moving backwards. Right? These guys go in and they get dropped off. Where are they going to retreat to? Right? And that's kind of what we, the mindset you should have as a Christian. The adversary is going to throw a lot of junk at you. Right? Some of us know that more than others uh, in different ways, whether it be ministry or, or different things. But the adversary is going to take shots. But you should have the mindset of, I was dropped off on this beach and there is no going backwards. The least I can do is stand fast, right? Stand fast knowing that there is no uh, going backwards. I can't go backwards. All I can do is go forwards. It might not be the right time to move forward. And make sure you understand that as well. It may not be the right time to move forward, but it's never the right time to move backwards. So whatever it is, stand fast, right? Stand fast and watch you go together because if you can't move forward, you better make sure that you're at least watching everything that's going on around you while you're standing here. All right, so he says, stand, or the, I'm sorry, the, the third thing, the third final instruction, we just kind of went through them. Stand for your faith with your eyes open, right? Too often, as Christians, we're just like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm here, I do, I do my thing, but we're just completely oblivious to what's going on around us. Man, you need to make sure that you are seeing what's happening. Not just in your life. I know that we're kind of like little me monsters and we like to be really concerned about us or those that are super tight with us, but what's going on in, in the people that... God doesn't accidentally have people bump into you. I don't mean physically, but just in, in general in life. God doesn't accidentally have people stumble into your life. So are your eyes open and are you actually doing something? with what he's given you. So stand fast for your faith with your eyes open. Uh, the fourth thing in the rest of this verse, so he says, watch ye stand fast in the faith, quit ye like men, be strong. I never understood this reference, right? If you go back and the, the, the quit ye like men, it comes from First uh, Samuel chapter 4 and verse 9, and it's actually the, the Philistines uh, who say it. He's like, I want you to be strong, quit ye like men, and we're going to go and take over, uh, and, and they're going to go and uh, basically attack Israel. But this this phrase, quit ye like men, I'm like, this makes no sense to me. Everything I've ever been taught in my life is, man, you can do a lot of things, but you ain't gonna quit. Right? If you're gonna sign up to do this, you're gonna you're gonna fulfill it, right? And that's something I've always taught, you know, my kids, that we're not gonna drop out of something. You don't you don't have to love it and you don't have to do it again. But if you're going to commit to something, then you're gonna commit to it. And so I was always like this quit ye like men. And so obviously I've I've looked it up and so what does it mean to to quit ye like men? If you look it up, does anybody know? Be courageous. Be courageous, kind of. I mean, yeah, it does mean that in a way. But like, if you just look it up in the Strong's, it means to act manly. <laughs> it does. That's that's what it looks like. Quit being a child. Yeah. It really is. But uh, like, when you look it up, I always expect the Strong's to like give me this, this really godly answer. It says to act manly. That's what it says. I'm like, okay. Um, that's interesting. Act manly. He, so he, he says, 
What I want you to do is quit ye like men and be strong. Now, that doesn't mean, ladies, that you you can't quit ye like men. Uh, What it means is be a strong follower of Christ. Like, have some backbone to you. There's nothing worse than somebody that, like, has no backbone for what they believe in. They're just like, yeah, I believe this. Well, why do you believe that? Oh, maybe I don't. Or, you know, hey, I, this is what I want to do. Well, why do you want to do that? I guess maybe I don't. Like, have some backbone for what you desire to do, what you believe in, and what you stand for. And, you know, if you're going to be a strong follower of Christ, maybe you should be more like Christ. You know, and so too often people will take this and they're like, well, I don't want to act manly. Well, acting manly doesn't always mean acting super masculine, by the way. Uh, I think of Jesus, you know, he knew when it was time to roll into the temple and flip the tables over, right? He knew when it was time to tell the devil to, in, in lack of better words, buzz off, right? Uh, he knew when it was time uh, to be a man, but he also knew when it was time to be like, hey, hold your tongue, buddy. Uh, she, she's ministering to me, right? With the ointment, right? He knew when it was time to uh, minister to the children. He knew when it was time to be so meek that the people around him that followed him just couldn't comprehend it, right? Being manly doesn't mean being masculine all the time. Uh, being manly means being what you need to be to be godly. And that means a lot of different things. There's, that means there are going to be times when you need to be like, hold the phone. I don't know what you guys are doing in here, but it ain't right, right? Flipping the tables over, you know, all the different things. But there are times when being meek is being manly, right? And so when it says to be strong and quit ye like men, be like Jesus in the truest sense of the word. If you're going to be a follower, maybe you should be like him, you know, too often we want to follow something, but we really don't want to be like that. Or we want to follow something and we want to be so much like that, you, you lose your identity and who you are. If you're going to lose your identity, it better be because you're being so much like Christ that you just don't look like the person you used to be. There should be no other reason to lose your identity other than that. Be a strong follower of Christ. Act manly. Quit ye like men. That's what he says. He's, he said all of this stuff through the entire book and he, he wraps it up with quit ye like men. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Quit acting like a child and start acting like a man, right? Quit acting like a baby in Christ and start acting like somebody who knows better. That's what he says uh, in a couple chapters before this. He says, don't be children, right? Understand what we're doing. He goes on to say in verse 14, let all things be done with charity. Okay. The fifth thing, the fifth final instruction that Paul gives to the church is everything. I think it's interesting. He says, let all your things. I'm sure different translations uh, twist the words around and just make it say, you know, let everything you do. But he says, let all your things be done with charity. All your things. And again, this doesn't mean giving, by the way. Uh, go back to chapter 13. Go back to when we taught through chapter 13. Uh, this word charity means love. right? This word charity means grace, right? But it translates to the word love. So when he says, let all your things be done with charity, what does he mean? Everything that you do should be done with love. Whether you're teaching kids, whether you're holding babies, whether you're preaching the Word, whether you're hanging out with your family, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Whether you're at work, dealing with the problems of everyday life, let all your things... It doesn't say the things that you know you really care about. 
let all your things be done with charity. Now, just take a second and think about your life, because I'm not you, uh, and I don't know exactly what's going on with everything in your life, but it, are all of your things being done with charity? Are all of your things? There, you know, There's a lot of things that are like, most of my things, yes. But there's some things that I'm like, you know, I really wouldn't care if that person, you know, whatever. <laughs> Something, right? Okay, well, it happens, man. Yeah, it happens. All your things. He says, let all your things be done with charity, meaning with love. Why? Because that's what Jesus would have done, man. Anytime that we think that we're getting the short end of the stick on whatever it is in life, and some of us do. Some of us can be like, I think my stick's shorter than yours, right? You know, I've had some things go on in my life. I'm just telling you, like, think about some of the things that Christ went through. Just some of the things that he was just like, man, eh, it's all good. You know, just some of the things that, like, I don't know how. Everything you do should be done with love. Every single thing. And then the last thing, the last thing that he leaves for the church, verse 15 to 18. He says, I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus that is the first fruits of Achaia and that they have addicted themselves in the ministry of the saints. That's something to be said. They've addicted themselves in the ministry. That you submit yourselves unto such and to everyone that helpeth with us and laboreth. I am glad of the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus. I cannot do Bible names, man. And and Achaicus, for that uh, which was lacking on your part, they have supplied. Uh, for they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore, acknowledge ye them uh, that are such. I taught through Genesis this not very long ago in, in HBI. It was terrible. Man, trying to read all the names, it's just absolutely... like I got to the point where I was like, this guy and that guy and that other dude, and then we'd roll on because it was like, ain't nobody getting anything out of me trying to stumble through this. The, the sixth thing... <laughs> Mickey and Pedro Lavin, because they were both there. Uh, the sixth thing that Paul says, hey, you ought to do this, and this is the, probably the most important one out of the whole list. Submit to someone who is already submitting. And here's what I mean by that. Submit to someone who is already submitting. He says, hey, by the way, uh, watch ye stand fast, quit ye like men, be strong, let all your things be done with charity. I beseech you, brethren, that you know the house of Stephanus. So basically, hey, you know these guys. Everybody knows these guys, right? And what do you know about these guys? Basically, they're Jesus freaks is what it says. It says that they, you know these guys, the house of Stephanus, uh, that they have what? They've addicted themselves to the ministry. Meaning, you can't ever just go over there and watch a football game, right? You can't ever just go over and hang out and, you know, sit on the back porch. You can't ever just go and, like, just talk about whatever. These people are, all they ever want to do is ministry. Like, it doesn't matter what they are. And I know that about them. That's why I don't go over there all the time, right? But you know these guys. All they ever do, they are addicted to the ministry. I'm just being real with you, right? There are certain times that I'm like, that's not what I want in my life right now. And then God convicts me and rebukes me. But he says, you know, that what are they? They're addicted to the ministry. Now, if there's like one thing that you could have like inscribed on your tombstone, like that's that's probably one of the top three or four that I can think of. This dude was addicted to the ministry. But anyway, he says, hey, by the way, uh, you know these guys? The house of Stephanus, that they're addicted to the ministry? Uh, to, to the ministry of the saints? Verse 16, this is where it gets good. He says, that ye submit yourselves unto such, and to everyone that helpeth with us and laboreth. He basically says, hey, here's what you need to do. If, there, if Everything that I've told you in this entire book, 
this entire letter, uh, boil it down to this. Here's what you need to do. Find somebody who is already getting it done and latch on to them. Find somebody that you can follow. It's kind of like discipleship. Hmm. Uh, find somebody who is already doing what we know they should be doing. Who That's the kind of person that's like, man, if I could ever quote-unquote, arrive, which I'm guaranteed they wouldn't say that they've arrived. But if there's ever somebody that's like, man, all they ever do is they're, they're always discipling, they're always teaching, they're always doing this, they're always ministering, they're always... Find somebody like that, and what does it say to do? It says uh, that you submit yourselves unto such. Find somebody and follow them. Find somebody who is doing it and follow them. Well, man, I, I'm just not there yet. But oh, that's why you're following them, so you can learn from them. It doesn't say that find them and be like them. It says submit to them, right? And and go back to the point. I said submit to someone who's already submitting. Because somebody who kind of has it figured out, they understand that they're always in submission to somebody. Like, find somewhere that you can just fall into place, right? There's times... That you're just like, man, what I've got going here, this isn't so good. I ought to, the grass looks greener over here. I should go do that. I should do this. I should do that. All right. And just find somebody and submit to them, right? Find somebody that you can follow and just like, I'll do that. I've always said that about Brian Hedges. Like, there are a lot of things that Brian does that I'm like, I'm not sure why Brian does that. I, I really don't know. But, uh, I've seen enough things that Brian has done that I'm like, I'm just going to assume that what he's doing is right because everything else seems to like, I've always said, like, I, there's not very many people that I'd be like, hey, you jumped off a bridge. I should do that too, right? But with Brian, if he was to jump off a bridge, I'd probably be like, I probably ought to do that because he knows something that I don't and there must be something way better down there, right? There's, there's, find somebody like that who's addicted themselves into the ministry and just submit to them. Just follow them. Just be like, all right, if that's what you've got going, I'm doing it, right? Why? Because that's what discipleship does. Discipleship produces fruit. It produces Christ-like followers, Discipleship isn't about 16 lessons. It isn't about going through D2 so you can uh, learn about, you know, what happens at the judgment seat of Christ and all those things. Those are all important things. But discipleship is about like, hey, I see what you're doing and I actually see what you're doing when people aren't even watching. And like, that's something to be emulated. Oh, well, that's because it's like what Jesus would have done. Submit to someone who's already submitting. Like that's, boil it all down to that. Right. If you got nothing else out of the entire book, submit to somebody who's already submitting. Because if you can find somebody who's addicted to the ministry, you'll learn more from them. Right. And so if you're like, I don't know anybody like that. Well, you need to look around because uh, I could give you a list right off the top of my head of people that are so addicted to the ministry they don't even get to come to class anymore. Right. They're so addicted to the ministry that they're so bought in. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Right. There's people around. Find somebody and, and hook onto them. And then the rest of the book, it's pretty simple. Uh, he says, uh, verse 19, the churches of Asia salute you. Aquila and Priscilla, uh, salute you much in the Lord with the churches in their house. So they've got a house church going on. Uh, all of the brethren greet you, greet you and one another with a holy kiss. I almost threw a seventh one in there because I'm like, he kind of did tell you to do that, but I didn't want you guys taking this too far. So, like, if you want to, you can do the whole, you can, you can look into what that means. Greet you one another with a holy kiss. The, the salutation, uh, of me, Paul, with my own hand, meaning he actually wrote this letter. Not very many of them does he actually write. Usually he speaks it and somebody else writes it, but just kind of a cool, fa- a cool fact. Uh, if any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be, uh, anathema, maran, maranatha. I can't ever say that. Which basically means cursed. So if you're like, what does that mean? 
Uh, he basically says, let them be cursed, because if you're not going to believe... Uh, verse 23, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with you all in Jesus Christ. Amen. And he wraps up the book. It's just done. Right? So, of everything that he said, he leaves just these last few things like, hey, just last minute, make sure you get this. Make sure you get this. And so, as we finish up the book, there's a lot of different things we could have done here, but this is kind of Paul's way of putting a bow on it. And so we're just going to, we're just going to walk away from it. Go back and, uh, just, you can go back and listen to any of it, but you know, he's just like, hey, here's just a few things I want to make sure you get one last time before we move on. And then, you know, obviously there is a second letter to the Corinthians, second Corinthians, uh, because they did get some things figured out. They did straighten up in some areas. So Paul's like, hey, I probably ought to write you another letter and be like, hey, you guys are doing a better job. By the way, here's some other things you could do. And we might get to second Corinthians at some point, but we're not going to roll right into it like I initially thought we would. So uh, come back next week. Um, we've got a short little um, Old Testament book we're going to jump into and uh, definitely be there for the rest of the year, maybe a little bit into next year, but we'll see. But it'll be a short little book, so it'll be good. I'm excited. So uh, next week, we'll see. So let's pray, and we'll get out of here. Father, I love you. I thank you for today. Uh, thank you for uh, just being good to us, Lord. And uh, Lord, I thank you for uh, just being God and uh, not allowing us to try to be our own God because, uh, man, when we do that, we, just, we always end up failing anyway. So, uh, Lord, I do pray that you would uh, just... Uh, Allow us to maybe just uh, reminisce back over some of the things that you've taught us in First Corinthians that you would uh, really just get the honor and the glory uh, and that we would take these, these last few things that uh, Paul wanted to make sure we got and that we would get them uh, and that we would do something with them in our life. And so, uh, Lord, I do just uh, thank you for, um, again, just being a part of uh, a group of people who are just sold out for what you're doing. And, you know, I look around the room here and uh, it's not super full this morning, but uh, I can just think of who uh, is involved in Passpoint and just, these people are, they're sold out for you. And so, uh, Lord, I do pray that we would uh, just continue to uh, just finish strong uh, as the time is short and uh, we only have so many breaths. So I pray that we would just uh, make sure you get the glory for all of it. Uh, no matter what we're doing. So, uh, Lord, I pray that you just uh, use Pastor Brian as he preaches today, that you would uh, just uh, let us have something to change our lives. In Christ's name, amen.